that Allah negates certain things and Allah affirms certain things. For example, the declaration, there's no deity worthy of worship except Allah, it comprises these two things, negation and affirmation. When you say, La ilaha, you are negating all forms of worship for anything. When you say, La ilaha, you are negating all forms of worship for anything. In Allah, you're affirming the worship for Allah alone. So you have nafi and ibad. Affirmation and negation. And in this surah, which is surah al-Ikhlas, he said this surah is built on that. This surah comprises affirmation and negation. Because Allah Taala says, nah, and he goes on to explain, uh, when Allah Taala mentioned the surah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say Allah is one, Allah is summit, Allah is self-sufficient. And he said the statement, beginning of the surah, Al-Ahad. Uh, the language of the Quran just means one. And even in the translation we say it's one. And he mentioned the statement of a poet, an Arab poet, who mentioned Ahad meaning one, single. So Allah is one. He has no partners. Allah is Samad. Samad is the one who everyone intends with their good deeds or their supplications. They request, they intend someone, and that is Allah Azzawajal. So when an individual supplicates, or seeks refuge, or seeks a protection from any type of harm, this is the fact, this is referring to Allah Azzawajal being a summit. And, لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ Allah Azzawajal does not begin, nor is he begotten, nor is he begotten. The individual who is born, this individual needs to have an offspring. But Allah Azzawajal is free from being born. Allah Azzawajal was not born, nor does Allah Azzawajal have an offspring. He is self-sufficient. He is in need of, he is in need of no one. So this is, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And no one is similar to Allah Azzawajal. There is no one in the creation which is similar to Allah Azzawajal. And Surah Al-Ikhlas, the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, some of the benefits of Surah Al-Ikhlas, and it's going to be mentioned towards the end of the lesson. Or he mentioned it now, he mentioned it now, uh, that the Prophet said to his companions, can one of you recite a third of the Qur'an in one night? And he said, understand that the companions of the Prophet they were individuals who worked. They were individuals, they, they had their trade, and they used to work. So none of them had the ability, it was very difficult for one of them to recite a third of the Qur'an in one night. So when the Prophet ﷺ he said, do you have the ability to recite a third of the Qur'an in one night? Yeah, who from amongst us can do so? The Prophet ﷺ said to them, recite Surah Al-Islam, this is uh, equivalent to a third of the Qur'an. The Shaykh mentioned Hadith Allah Ta'ala, the reason why it is equivalent to a third of the Qur'an, because the Qur'an is divided into different subjects. You have that which is the legislation, that which is halal, that which is haram. Uh, you have the stories, and you have the description of Allah Azza wa Jalla. 
yeah, the description of Allah. So the reason why he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the reason why Surah Al-Ikhlaq is similar or is equivalent to a third of the Quran, because it is in it is about the description of Allah Azawajal. It is about the description of Allah Azawajal, so it is like a portion of the Quran. We reiterate about a summit. A summit. Everyone is in need of him, and he is in need of any, and he is in need of no one. And this is Allah Azza wa And he mentioned a proof for that. It's found in the uh, Hadith of Abu Dhar, where the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned the Hadith of Qudsi, where the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned that Allah said, "You will not be able to harm me, nor will you be able to benefit me." So Allah Azza wa and that was just a portion of the hadith, it's a long hadith. Allah does not benefit from the worship of his worshippers. And he does not, and he is not harmed by the sin of the sinful. So Allah is not harmed by the sin of the people, nor does he benefit from the worship of the people. Allah is self-sufficient and he is in no need of anyone. Then he went on to mention the second uh, verse which was mentioned in the chapter was Ayat al-Qudsi which is the greatest verse in the Qur'an. It is the greatest verse in the Qur'an, and it, it, it comprises affirmation and negation. Allah, there's no deity worthy of worship except Him. So Allah is negating all forms of worship to anyone except Himself, Taala. And He mentions Al-Hayy uh, Al-Qayyum. Al-Hayy is the all-living. Allah subhanahu is the all-living. Al-Qayyum is the one who, uh, Allah subhanahu being Al-Qayyum, he is the one who controls the affairs of all of the servants. Allah Azawajal controls the affairs of all of the creation, the lives of the creation. Allah subhanahu brings about their sustenance, he brings about their wealth, he gives them life, he gives them nourishment, he protects them from all types of harm. So Al-Qayyum is the one who is responsible for all of the creation, and this is Allah Azza wa A sinner is the things which uh, occur before a person falls asleep. Like when an individual nods off or the individual feels fatigued. This is a sinner. And this does not this is not a part this does not affect Allah Azza So Allah does not have uh, the fatigue, the tiredness, and the like. He doesn't have any of those things, nor does he speak the Barakatara. So no type of tiredness or fatigue or sleep uh, is, is with Allah Azza None of these things, these things are totally negated from Allah Azza wa And along with Him being the all-living, the everlasting, the one responsible for the creation, and along with Him not being affected by, by fatigue nor by fatigue nor sleep, Allah Azza wa Jalla ma fi samawat wa ma fi Allah has Everything which is in the heavens and the earth, it belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. So, the Shaykh mentioned, you can imagine the heavens and that which is in the heavens. And you can imagine the earth and that which is in the earth. Everything which is in the heavens and everything which is in the earth, it belongs to Allah. And it is a part of His dominion, Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Then he mentioned, uh, Who is the one who intercedes with Allah except with His permission? The Shaykh mentioned, you have other verses in the Quran where Allah subhanahu mentioned no one can intercede except that he is given permission by Allah Azza wa Jal. So the intercession uh, or interceding, it cannot take place except 
that the individual has permission from Allah Azza wa Jal. Likewise, the Shaykh mentioned, Habibullah Ta'ala, that for the affair of intercession, usually the one who helps an individual and accepts the intercession, he benefits from it. Usually the one who accepts the intercession, he benefits from it. But Allah Azza wa does not benefit from any of this. Allah Azza wa he is in no need of his creation. So he does not benefit from the intercession. And likewise, Allah, the intercession cannot take place except that Allah gives the individual permission. Except that Allah Azza wa gives the individual permission. And because of that, on the day of judgment, the people, all, all of the creation, the disbelievers and the believers, because of the standing and the tremendous, uh, the tremendous difficulty in standing on the day of judgment, the people will go to Adam, the people will go to Noah, the people will go to Ibrahim, the people will go to Isa, the people will go to not Adam, Noah, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and then they will go to Muhammad. And every prophet on that day will say, it's not for me. I cannot intercede. And then they will go to Muhammad and the Prophet Muhammad would say, it is for me. The Prophet would approach the throne of Allah and he would prostrate. And he would praise Allah like he never praised Allah before. And then Allah would say, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, raise your head. Speak and I will hear. Intercede and I will accept your intercession. So no one can intercede with Allah except an individual who Allah is pleased with and except after the permission is given from Allah Then he mentioned uh, that Allah knows that which is in front of them, Allah knows that which is behind them. Nothing is free from the knowledge of Allah And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, we see, we know that which is present in the creation from, from technology, that which is present in the creation from industry, that which is present in the creation from crops and the like of that, none of that has taken place, none of that was created, except that Allah is the creator and except that Allah knows the specific amount. Allah knows everything with regards to his creation. Allah knows with regards to the technology, knows with regards to the crops, knows with regards to the, the, the industry, everything. Nothing takes place except that Allah Taala was the one to create. He even mentioned that that which takes place of security, that which takes place of fear, that which takes place of people wanting dunya, that which takes place of, of, of stinginess and the like, everything which takes place in the creation, it, takes, it was written in the Lohul Mahfuz, it was written in the preserved tablets before Allah Taala created the, the heavens and the earth. Then Allah mentioned about his, his uh, footstool. And the footstool is, is greater than the heavens and the earth. The footstool is greater, uh, its size is greater than the heavens and the earth. And the Shaykh mentioned, you can imagine the heavens and the earth. That which is in it of the mountains, that which is in it of the ocean, that which is in it of the rivers, that which is in it of the crops. And the footstool of Allah is greater and more vast than the heavens and earth, even the Shaykh's mentioned all of these things in the creation, from the mountains, from the rivers, from the oceans, from the top, they are minute compared to the footstool of Allah Azza wa Jalla. And Allah, it is not difficult for him, it is not difficult for him to preserve all of these things. Allah preserves the heavens and the earth. 
He preserves everything which is in the heavens and earth. And it is not difficult for Allah Azza wa He is not fatigued by uh, preserving everything which is in the heavens and everything which is in the earth. So, this is that which is mentioned in uh, with regards to Ayat al-Kursi. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, the ayat or the verse or the hadith, one hadith at the end, where the individual would remain, the individual who recites Ayat al-Kursi, he would remain under, under, the, under the protection of Allah Azzawajal, the full night. This is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari and others, that Abu Huraira, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, gave him the responsibility of the, 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 the wealth of the, of, of the Muslims. He gave him the responsibility of the wealth of the Muslims. And one night, Abu Huraira was approached by an individual going through the food. And he was taking from the food. Abu Huraira grabbed this individual and said, I'm going to bring you to the Messenger of Allah. This individual said, indeed, I am poor, I am old, I have a family. Please, let me go. Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala and the Sahaba, they were individuals that they had mercy for the people, so he let him go. Later on, the following day, when Abu Huraira was with the Prophet, he said, the Prophet said to Abu Huraira, what did you do with the individual who you caught last night? He said, Ya Rasulullah, he said he's old, he doesn't have wealth, his family is hungry and the like. The Prophet said, he has lied and he will return. On the following night, he did the same thing. Uh, the shaitan did the same thing. He took from the food. Abu Huraira caught him. He said, I'm going to bring you to the Prophet. He said, indeed, indeed, I am old. I am poor. I have a family. They are in need. Abu Huraira let him go. Then this took place uh, a third night. And the same thing. Abu Huraira caught, Abu Huraira caught the individual. And the shaitan knew that Abu Huraira would not let him go a third time. So he said, verily, if you let me go, I will teach you something that would benefit you with Allah. So Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira, he was very diligent in learning, so he let him go. Teach me that which you have to teach me. He said, if you recite Ayatul Kursi, or before you approach your bed, meaning at the time of sleep, if you recite Ayatul Kursi, you would continue to be protected by Allah, and the shaitan would not approach you until the morning. Abu Huraira took this message to the Prophet and he told the Prophet what took place. The Prophet said he had spoken the truth and verily he is a liar. Verily he is a liar. So this was a tremendous benefit that Abu Huraira benefited or that Abu Huraira heard from the Shaitan and he uh, and he double checked with the Prophet and the Prophet verified that that which he said was the truth. So that informs you that this is the greatest verse in the Quran. Or uh, that informs you of the tremendousness uh, or the tremendous benefit in Ayatul Kursi. And it also, also took place by, by Ubaid and Ka'ab. The Prophet وسلم, said to him, what is the greatest verse in the Quran? And he recited Ayatul Kursi and the Prophet hit his chest and he uh, praised him. He praised him for this knowledge. So this is that which we would benefit from uh, this particular this particular verse in the Quran. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah went on to explain the next verse, which is that Allah the verse in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah is the first, Allah is the last, Allah is apparent, and Allah is that which is hidden. And he mentioned the first meaning that Allah was before everything. That Allah was before everything. And it wasn't that there was nothing and there was a lot. No, Allah is the first of everything. Allah was before everything. And Allah is the last, meaning that everything would perish and only Allah would remain. 
والضاحر الله سبحانه وتعالى is above all of his creation. والباطل الله سبحانه knows that which is hidden. So there's nothing which a person tries to hide except that Allah subhanahu knows the specifics and Allah subhanahu knows the intricate details and that Allah subhanahu knows that which is hidden from the rest of the creation. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that he's going to, next week he's going to explain these verses in detail, even in that he يوم عاشوراء النبي لما قدم صلى الله عليه وسلم المدينة وجد اليهود يصومون يوم عاشوراء فسألهم قالوا إن هذا يوم أنزلنا فيه موسى وقومه وأهلك فرعون وقومه فصامه موسى عليه السلام شكرا فنحن نصوم فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نحن أحق أو أولى منكم بموسى وأمر الناس أن يصوموا يوم عاشوراء فالذي أخفى ولم يحسب يشتم حتى ولو لم يملك في وقت الضحى ما أكثر شيء يستمر وقال عن قبل يوم عاشوراء أحسب على الله أن يكفر يعني بصيام يوم عاشوراء السنة الماضية يوم واحد يكفر الله جل وعلا به الذنوب سنة كاملة بطبيعة الحال أفضل يوم عاشوراء كانت العرب في الجاهلية تصوم لكن لا يعرفون لماذا إن العرب على ملة إبراهيم ودخلتهم هذه الشركية تقول عائشة أن الذي كان يصوم هذا في الجاهلية قبل البعثة وكان يوم عاشوراء يوم تكسى فيه الكعبة الجاهلية وفي ذلك التنبيه الذي يحب ان يصوم يوم عاشوراء الذي قال عن يوم عاشوراء صوم يوما قبله او يوما بعده هو كان واجبا اول الامر في المدينه وبقي النبي المدينه اوجب عليه ان يصوم لما نزل قرب رمضان صار من شاء ان يصوم يوم عاشوراء صادق وحصل على عجل ومن لم يشاء فهو لا يلزم ان يصوم لكن الوجود الانصاف حصل الرحمه والعفو والغفران والسكر العظيم في عامنا هذا التقويم انه يبدا من يوم الاثنين النبي يقول صلى الله عليه وسلم على الهلال دائما صوموا لرؤيته وعبقروا رؤيته حتى ان غم عليكم فاكملوا العزه في هذه السنه لم يرى يوم الاحد بسبب الخصوم الانصار 
فمعناه ان يوم الاثنين من شهر الحجه ينتهي شهر محرم اليوم الثلاثاء الثلاثاء والاربعاء والخميس والجمعه والسبت اليوم الاحد يوم سته والاثنين والغد والسبعه والثلاثاء يوم ثمانيه والاربعاء يوم تسعه الذي يصوم الاربعاء يصوم الحميد والجمعه يكون قطعا يقيم صام يوم عاشوراء احب احرص لدينا هذا الذي يحب ان يصوم يوم عاشوراء فان اليوم العاشر هو يوم الخميس والجمعه هي الحادي عشر والاربعاء هي التاسع والذي قال صوموا يوما قبله او يوما بعده وفي حديث اخر صوموا يوما قبله ويوما بعده اردت ان بين هذا وارجو الله ان يغفر جميعا يعني الاعمال التي نكسب بها بدينه تعالى على العدل والثواب. Before the question, the Sheikh Hafiz Allah Ta'ala mentioned that I would like to mention a reminder related to fasting of Yom Al-Ashura, which is the 10th of Muharram. And he mentioned Hadith Allah Ta'ala that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he approached Al-Medina, he found that the Jews of Al-Medina, they were fasting on the 10th day of Muharram, on the second day of Ashura. So the Prophet questioned, questioned them in that regard, why do you fast on this particular day? And they responded, this was the day that Allah saved Musa and his people, and Allah drowned Fir'aun and his people. When the Prophet heard this, he said, verily we have more right to Musa, so the Prophet ordered the believers to fast on this particular day. And even the people who had uh, not eaten anything on that particular day, and it was uh, later on in the afternoon, if individuals had not eaten on that day, the Prophet ordered them to fast, even if they didn't have the intention. And the Prophet mentioned as it relates to the merits of this particular day, that it would be an expiation of the past year's sins. So the Shaykh mentioned, so one day, an individual fast for Allah, Allah would expiate the sins of, a, of one year. And the Shaykh mentioned that the person should also repent during this particular time for, in order for the uh, his sins to be uh, forgiven. The day, of, the day of Ashura, the Arab, and the days of ignorance, the days of Jahiliyyah, they used to fast on this day, but they did not know the reason. And the reason why they used to fast is because some of them used to have 
some of the mistakes used to be upon the some of the, the religions of Ibrahim but obviously uh, deviation had entered upon it so they were you know, deviated from the correct path of Ibrahim but they still had some traits of the religion so they used to fast on this day Aisha anha, she mentioned that they used to fast on this day also on this day they used to uh, put the, the garment they used to put the covering over the Kaaba on this particular day so my intention, my intention is that an individual should fast on this particular day. And the Prophet is mention that the person should fast the day before, and the day of Ashura, and the day before, or the day after. In the beginning of Islam, it used to be obligatory. It used to be obligatory that a person fast the day of Ashura. But when Allah has revealed the person, making the obligation of fasting Ramadan, then it became recommended. So if an individual fasts on this day, he would receive a tremendous reward, but it is not obligatory nor it is mandatory. But if an individual wants the mercy and the forgiveness of Allah, then they should fast on this day. The Shaykh mentioned Allah Ta'ala on this day, or this year, on this year, the calendar, something has uh, taken place with the calendar, and the, the Islamic calendar, and the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, with regards to the crescent, the Prophet ﷺ said, you should fast when you see the new crescent, and you should break your fast when you see the following uh, crescent. And if you are prevented from seeing the crescent, then you should complete the, the previous month, 30 days. And the Shaykh mentioned, Allah Ta'ala, on this, this particular year, because of the, the eclipse, took place last week, uh, the new crescent could not be seen. So because of that, what is correct is that Sunday was the 6th of Muharram, Monday, which is today, Sunday the 6th, this was the 6th of Muharram, Monday, which is tomorrow, is the 7th of Muharram, Tuesday is the 8th of Muharram, Wednesday is the 9th of Muharram, and Thursday is the 10th of Muharram, and Friday is the, is the 11th of Muharram. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, if a person fasts on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they would have definitely fasted the day of Ashura. So that which is recommended is that a person fasts on Wednesday, Thursday, and, and Friday. Because there's the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, fast a day before or a day after it, along with Ashura, and likewise the Prophet mentioned Sallallahu Alaihi fast the day before and the day after. So the Shaykh mentioned Abu Zalatara that we asked Allah to make it from amongst those individuals to perform these that would uh, allow us to obtain tremendous rewards from our Lord Sallallahu يقول الزاعم ما توجيهكم لامرأة مسلمة تجد في نفسها ضعفا في الإيمان 
وتواجدها فتنة الشهوات والشبهات وما نصيحتكم لها حفيدكم الله تعالى ينبغي أن نتذكر في نفسنا أنها لا تقوى على جهة العذاب عنها والله جل وعلا يغاء أعرض العهده إلى أذنا كيف يذلل والأرزاق كلها من الله والله نهى عن المعاصي ونصيحتي للسائلة ومن يسمع أن يكثر الواحد من ذكر الله جل وعلا يسبح الله ويحمده ويسبح الله جل وعلا ويلتج إلى الله بأن يحكمه من الذنوب و وما يجر اليه من ذكر المعاصي يتذكر الانسان ان عذاب الاخره لا يقرا احد على دفع شيء منه وانما يدفع بتجنب ارتكاب المحرمات ويحرص الانسان بقدر ما يستطيع ان لا يكون له من اجل الا من يعينونه على طاعه الله ذكر مثل الجليس الصالح وجليس السوء والتوحيد بيد الله جل وعلا Approached with doubts of desires and doubts. She's approached with doubts as well as desires, so what is your advice? The Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. It's befitting for this female to realize that she cannot prevent the punishment of Allah. Allah Azzawajal is jealous over his servants. How can the servant disobey Allah Azzawajal? And to Allah belongs everything, and Allah provides sustenance for that individual. And Allah has forbade that you disobey him. So my advice for that questioner and my advice for everyone who is listening is that you should increase in the remembrance of Allah You should glorify Allah. You should praise Allah. And you should turn to Allah and ask Allah to protect you from sins. And that which leads a person to sin. It's befitting for a person to remember that they cannot they cannot bear the punishment of the hereafter. No one can bear the punishment of the hereafter. But that which an individual must perform in order to protect themselves from the punishment is that they have to abstain from the sin. Likewise, the individual should be diligent in ensuring that he or she has good companions, individuals that assist them upon obedience to Allah Azawajal. They should be diligent in being around good companions and they should remember that there are good companions and there are harmful companions.
تكون الساعة امرأة تقرأ القرآن وتصلي وتقرأ سورة البقرة ولكنها تقول بأنها تشعر بضيق في صدرها تقول بأن الله عز وجل لم يحقق لها ما ترجو كما توجيهكم حبيبكم الله تعالى. تحرص على الثبات على الحق. أن تكون أو مداخل الشيطان لإهوائها وإغرائها وشاسة على العبادة إذا شعرت بشيء من الذنوب تبادر بالاستعانة بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وتسبيح الله وتنزيه وحمده تكبيره وتكرر ذلك بلسانها بحيث يسمعه من يكون معها وحولها فإن ذلك يطرد الشيطان وينزل الخلق إن شاء الله Question is asking, there's a female who reads the Quran and she prays and she recites Surah Al-Baqarah, but she finds tightness in her chest. And she says that Allah did not fulfill that which she was expecting. What is your advice? Shaykh Mishra Habib Allah, my advice is that she is diligent in being firm upon the truth. Possible that this is the effect of sin, or it's possible that the shaitan has influenced her, and he has caused her to be laziness and detached from worship. So if she is affected by this, then she should immediately uh, seek refuge in Allah Azawajal. She should glorify Allah, she should praise Allah, she should mention the name of Allah, and she should do so with her tongue. Even so, those who are around her can hear her, and this would be, by the permission of Allah, one of the things that would uh, make the shaitan uh, remove himself from her by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal, and this would be something to affect her heart in Islam. يقول السؤال بما يتعلق بالحديث أو بما يتعلق بالحديث أن المسلم لا يسلم على الكافر أو أن المسلم لا يبدأ الكافر في السلام فهل نطبق هذا على إذا يعني حيئنا الكافر في صباح الخير أو نحو ذلك السلام عليك حيئك على الإيمان أنا يليل أتوجه الكفار والمشركين واهل من هناك حقيقه ولا مانع عنا ان يقابلهم الانسان بنطق يرجو ان يؤثر عليهم في تلمس الهدايه ان الذي يقول ان الرزق ما دخل شيئا الا جاء إن الله يأتي على الرزق ما لا يأتي على العمر. We just ask in regards to the hadith the Prophet forbade the Muslims from beginning the greetings with the Kufar. Uh, what is you know, what is the ruling in this regard? The Sheikh Mishnah Abi Zarathala, first of all, the greeting of peace, it is only for the people of, of faith. And it is not befitting that you give this greeting to the disbelievers or the hypocrites. But there's no problem in you greeting them or there's no problem in you showing kindness toward them.
because this would be a means of them becoming guided. As the Prophet mentioned that gentleness is not placed in anything except that it purifies them. And the Prophet also mentioned that Allah brings about with gentleness that which he brings with that which he doesn't bring about with other than gentleness. لماذا كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يحب أن يخالف اليهود والنصارى؟ لأن مشابهة الكفار في شيء قصد ذلك تستدعي حبهم ولا يليق المؤمن أن يحب الكافر لأنه إذا أحب أثر عليه أيضا في تعامله معها الله يقول لا تجد قوم يؤمنون بالله يوم الاخر يوادون من حاد الله يعني المؤمن لا يليق به ان يكون محبا للكافر ويسقط الذي حريص حريص على أن يخالف اليهود والنصارى وأن يخالف المشركين لذلك كما في مرة كتاب التوحيد الشخص الذي أراد أن ينحر إبلا في بوانة موضع اسمه بوانة الجزيرة هذا النذر في الجاهلية قبل أن يسلم الرجل ولما أسلم قبل التنفيذ جاء إلى النبي يسأله هل ينفذ النذر الذي قال هل في ذلك الموقع وسل من اوكال الجاهليه؟ قال لا. قال هل في عيد من اعيادهم؟ قال لا. قال اوفي بنذر. الذي ذكر ان افضل ايام الاسبوع يوم الجمعه. وان الله جل وعلا ما وفق اليهود تعظيم يوم الجمعة ولا وفق النصارى كذلك بل أخذ اليهود السبت وأخذ النصارى على حد ونحن خدانا الله يوم الجمعة يوم الجمعة هذا يدل على أنه لا يليق بالمسلم أن يشابه الكفار بأمر يكسبه المشابهة وعلى سبيل المثال الشيخ الاسلام محمد احمد بن عبد الحليم بن تيميه له كتاب اسمه اقتضاء الصراط المستقيم مخالفه اصحاب الجحيم يقول الصراط المستقيم سبيل الله وان هذا صراط مستقيم ولا يتبع السبل الصراط يقتضي من المسلم أن لا يتعمد مشابهة الكفار فلهذا قال النبي خالف اليهود والنصارى the Sheikh mentioned Hafiz Allah because imitating the Jews and the Christians, this would, if a person contends 
to imitate the Jews and the Christians, this would possibly lead to this would lead to love of them. And it's not befitting that a believer loves a disbeliever. Because the love that a believer would have for a disbeliever, this would affect him. This would affect the individual. Allah subhanahu said in the Quran, you do not find the people who believe in Allah. Uh, and the last thing, loving those who oppose Allah and his messenger to the end of the verse. So, a believer should not love a disbeliever. And this is a proof, this proof is taken from the Quran itself. The Prophet was very diligent in opposing the ways of the Jews and the Christians. Like has proceeded in Kitab al-Tawheed, where an individual approached the Prophet and said, Before I entered into Islam, I made an oath that I would slaughter a camel in such and such place. Should I fulfill my oath? The Prophet said, Is there an idol which is worshipped in that place? He said, No. The Prophet said, Do they celebrate? Do they have a celebration in that particular place? The disbelievers. He said, No. The Prophet said, So fulfill your uh, your oath. Likewise, the Prophet mentioned that the best day of the week is Yom Al-Jum'ah, Friday. Allah did not give the Jews the success of uh, having this day. They took Saturday. And Allah did not give the Christians the success of having this day. They took Sunday. Allah gave this day only to the Muslims, which is the best day of the week. Therefore, it's not befitting that the Muslim imitates the disbelievers. And because of that, Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah he authored a tremendous book called Ittidat al-Siraq al-Mustaqeen fi Masalat al-Fi Anhaad al-Jaheen following the straight path by uh, being in opposition to the people of the Hellfire. So the path, the straight path is the path of Allah. Indeed, this is my path, the path of Allah. So, following the straight path makes it mandatory upon the believer to be in opposition to the disbelievers. And likewise, the Prophet said, uh, uh, oppose the Jews and the Christians in an authentic hadith. Individuals asking, is it permissible for me to photograph my children and send these photos to my family in my country because they are, they, they miss them and they would like to see my children. Is this actually permissible? The Sheikh said, as long as you're doing it with, for example, a, a camera or the lights and it is not drawn with the hand, uh, with, you know, drawn by pen or drawn with the hand or the lights, then I hope that there's no problem in this. This is similar to that which is taking place when you take a photo for your residency card or for your passport, so I hope that there's no problem in this action. 
يقول سائل ما صفه صلاه القصور وماذا يفعل المسلم اذا فاته الركوع الاول؟ صلاه القصور هي كما قد يكون شاهد بعضكم فعلها في المساجد وإلى أكثر من صورة المشتاعرة النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام كانت العرب الجاهلية عدم العلم عندهم يرون أن خصوص القمر وخصوص الشمس دليل على ولادة عظيمة من العظماء أو وفاة عظيمة من العظماء فصادق أن الشمس كتفت يوم وفاة ابن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إبراهيم يظن الناس قالوا هذه علشان إبراهيم ما كتفت الشمس النبي صلى كبر وقرأ قراءة القرون طويلة ثم ركع ثم رفع وقرأ ايضا يسجدون قراءة اخرى طويلة لكنها اقل من الاولى ثم لما ركع ايضا ثم رفع ثم سجد في كل هذه الاحوال تكون الحالة فيها طول الركوع طويل في ركوع والقيام يطيل قبل ان يبدا يقرا ايضا فلما ركع ركعتين سجد سجدتين ثم رفع وقرا الاولى وقف وقفا طويلا لكن اقل من الاول ركع ركوعا طويلا لكن اقل من الاول ثم رفع ثم ترك ذلك يعني هذه اربعه ركوعات واربع سجدات بضبط الحديث الصحيح ايضا ان القراءه ست قراءات ست قراءات لكن في اربع سجدات وردنا سماع لكن الذي استمر استمر على عليه العمل عند الناس انها ركوعان الاولى وسجدتين ثم ركوعان الثاني وسجدتين ثم الذي لما انتهى اخبر الناس قال ان الشمس والقمر ايتان من ايات الله لا ينكشفان لموت احد ولا لحياته اي ولاه معناه فانما يخوف الله بهما عباده يمكن الناس يقولون انه ما دام في الحساب والتتبع صار الناس يدرون متى يحصل الخسوف ومتى يحصل الخسوف يوم قمر حتى لو دروا هذا الخراف بالسيارة نسأل الله كل في فلك يفتحون يعرفون هذا الأمر الذي ما يعرفه الناس واعتادوا حتى يدل على أن الأمور لا يدل متى تحدث الحوائج الذي قال اذا رايتم ذلك فاخزعوا الى الصلاه الذي لما راه قام فزعا كانما يخشى الساحه هي ليست فريضه من الفرائض لكنها سنه مؤكده 
ثم ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في موقفه يقول رايت كل شيء يمكن ان يرى راى النار وما فيها حتى تقهقر في موقفه خشيه ان يصل اليه وحج النار وراى الجنه مد يده اراد لعله ان يحصل على خفه الاقتصادي وصل العنب وقال له اصحب امكنني ذلك فبقي فعندكم هذا الشيء الى قيام السحر لكن الله لم يشع ان يكون نعيم الجنه خارج للناس يتداولونه كما ان عذاب النار نفسه لا يكون الى خارج يتنفر على الناس ثم قال اني رايت اكثر اهل النار النساء فقامت الحرب لهم رأس لماذا يا رسول الله؟ قال بأن كنا اكثرنا اللعن بالسئناء الكلام السيء الذي وتكثرنا العشير ايش معنى الكفر بالإسلام؟ يعني جحش المعروف إنكار المعروف الجاحسن جاء احداهن عن دهر ثم راته غير ذلك قالت ما رايت منك خيرا قط وما يقول هذا الكلام ليشنع على النساء وانما يريد ان ينبه النساء ليحتفظن بانفسهن بالاكثار من التوبه لان الذي قال كل بني ادم خطاؤون خير الخطائين التوابون نسأل الله أن نكون من الخطائين الذين إذا أحطأوا تعبوا Individuals asking what is the description of the eclipse prayer and the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala with regards to the eclipse prayer it is done as some of you have seen and witnessed it is done in the Masajid and there are different descriptions which are reported about the eclipse prayer. But that which is common, and it took place, uh, this type of thing, or the signature, the eclipse used to take place, or when an eclipse used to take place during the times uh, of ignorance, the Arab used to feel that this was the sign that someone who was great, someone who was high in status, was born, or someone who was high in status has passed away. And it took place, Allah decreed that it took place that when the son of the Prophet Ibrahim, when he died, that an eclipse took place. So they said this is because the son of Muhammad had passed away. So the Prophet prayed the eclipse prayer. He stood and he made a fear and he entered into prayer. Then he recited for a long period of time. Then the Prophet made ruku'a, he bowed. And then the Prophet came up from the bowing and recited again for a long period of time. And then the Prophet went into the, went into sujood. So the Prophet read, then he went into the bowing, and then he came up and then he read it again. So the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so there are 
four rukuat and there are four sujuds. And it is also mentioned that there are six rukuat and four sujuds. And it is also mentioned that there are eight. But that which is common is that there are two rukuat and then the two sujuds. Two rukuat and then the two sujuds as it was performed recently. Shaykh mentioned Hadith Allah Ta'ala that when that took place in the time of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, after he finished the prayer, he said to the people that verily the sun and the moon are from the creation of Allah Azawajal. And an eclipse does not take place for anyone, not the life of anyone, nor the death of anyone. But verily Allah Ta'ala brings fear to his servants with these things. And you have some people today, they said, but as long as we're able to figure out when it takes place, you know, why is it something of fear? And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that this is something that Allah Ta'ala decrees, which is different from that which is, which is different from the norm. This is that which Allah Ta'ala decrees, which is different from that which the people are normally accustomed to. So if you see this, then you should wait towards forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala, as it was done by the Prophet It's mentioned that when the Prophet would witness an eclipse, he would race towards the Salat as if he was fearful from the Day of Judgment. It is not an obligation that you pray this prayer, but it is an established Sunnah. And it took place that when the Prophet prayed the prayer of eclipse, he was shown everything. The Prophet mentioned that he was shown the hellfire. Even so much so that he, uh, he retreated and he backed up in his prayer because of the, the flames. And likewise, the Prophet was shown the paradise. So much so that he extended his hand in prayer and he wanted to grab from the fruits of Jannah. And the Prophet mentioned to his companions, if I were to grab one of the fruits of Jannah, it would have stayed amongst you until Yom of but Allah prevented his Prophet from taking from the fruit of Jannah because Allah forbids that anything of Jannah is present now. Meaning Allah forbids that the people can see anything from Jannah now and Allah forbids any, that the people can see anything from the hellfire now. Likewise, the Prophet mentioned that I saw the most, or the, the people who inhabited the, the hellfire, the most were the women. And a female, when she heard that from the Prophet she stood up and she said, Ya Rasulullah, why is this the case? And the Prophet said, because you curse, or the women continue to curse. They speak with bad speech, and they are ungrateful, or they have kufr for the treatment of the husband. And this kufr is not disbelief, but it is that she is ungrateful for the, the, the good treatment of the husband. The husband gives her good, he gives her good, and then when he does something wrong or he does not give her something good, she says, you've never done anything good for me. So the Prophet ﷺ did not say this statement to discourage the women, but he said this statement so that the women can be informed that it's upon them to act, uh, it's upon them to seek forgiveness from their Lord, it's upon them to repent to Allah Azawajal. As the Prophet ﷺ said, all of the children of Adam make mistakes and the best are those, the best of those who make mistakes are those who seek repentance. We ask Allah to make it from, from amongst those who seek repentance.
يمكن الشعر ما ما طريقه قراءه المعوضات المعوضات بصوره الاخلاق قبل النوم يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن سورتي المعوضتين ما تعوض بمثل هناك حسن ان يقرا الواحد سوره الاخلاق والله واحد قل اعوذ برب الفلق قل اعوذ برب الناس يمسح في يده يمسح مع رفعه في يده راسه وواجهه ونحره وظهره يتعاعد نفسه وتقنيه خير كثير لان الاستعاذه بالقران اعوذ بكلام الله من الامور المشروعه Individuals asking uh, what's the proper or the manner that a person should recite Surah Al Ikhlas and Surah Al Farq and Surah Al Nas before they go to sleep. The Sheikh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala. The Prophet said, No one has protected, or an individual does not protect themselves uh, with anything greater than these Surahs Surah Al Farq and Surah Al Nas. So the individual before they go to sleep, they should recite Surah Al Ikhlas, Surah Al Farq, and Surah Al Nas. And then they should blow into their hands and they should like that which is apparent their head, their neck, their chest, and the like. There's much good in this. Because an individual is seeking refuge from all forms of evil with the Quran and with the speech of Allah, and this is something which is highly recommended. ماذا أفعل إذا كان ولدي يريد أن يرسم الجنة؟ الولد قد سمع أو قرأ عن الجنة يريد أن يرسم الجنة؟ يرسم الجنة على الجنة لا يستطيع أحد أن يرسمها فيها ما لا عين رأى ولا أذن سمعت ولا حفر على قلب بشر فرضا عندنا اسم الفاخره عندنا في اصناف الفواكه نعم ليس في الدنيا من هذه الاشياء التي يجمعها الا من الاسماء واما ان يرسم جنه من جنان الدنيا هذا امر سهل كيف يرسم الجنه في نخيلها وعنبها رمانها وزيتونها وغير ذلك فلا حرج في هذا. Individuals asking their child wants to draw jinnah on a piece of paper, so what do you advise? The Sheikh Mr. Hadith Allah Ta'ala, there's no one that can draw jinnah. Jinnah in it, it has that which no eye has ever seen, nor has any ear ever heard. Nor that which has uh, come upon the heart, nor, can, that, that, nor that which anyone can imagine. So a person can not draw jinnah. But if it was said that, for example, we have proofs, which you should understand that there's no proof in this life which is similar to that which is in jinnah. 
except the name. Except the name. But if the child wants to draw a garden, then there's no problem seeing your child drawing a garden with eight palms and with pomegranates and with fruits and the like. But there's no child, there's no problem in your child doing so. يقول السائل ما صحة الحديث الذي فيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أمر أمر المرأة أن تتحجب أمام الرجل أعمى. حديث صحيح جيد. ويدل عليه يقول للمؤمنات في أغلب من أمصارهم يعني كل واحد يعرف أعمى أليس في المرأة فقط؟ الاستمرار ايضا يعجبها الرجل جميل المنظر تغفر من سيء المنظر يخاطب الرجال يقولون لا يغضوا من اطفالهم ويحفظوا ظروفهم واما النساء فزياد عليهم يقول للمؤمنات يعلمون من اطفالهم ويحفظون ظروفهم ولا يزكين زينتهم ولا يضربن زرجلهن يعلم ما يزكين من زينتهن المرأة لما أمرهم النبي قال إنه أعمى لا يرانا قال أطعم يا والي أنتما يعني المرأة يعجبها من الرجل المظهر كما يعجب الرجل من المرأة مظهر ولذلك القرآن أمر الطرفين أن يغضوا من أبصارهم Asking what's the authenticity of the hadith where the Prophet ordered that a female lower her gaze from uh, a blind man, that she covers herself properly from a blind man. Sheikh mentioned Hadith Allah Ta'ala that it's an authentic hadith, a good hadith. And the hadith, uh, which also, or that which also informs you of that which is in the hadith, is the verse that Allah Ta'ala said. And say to the believing women to lower their gaze. The Sheikh mentioned, verily, a woman is attracted by a man, and she's attracted to a man, just like a man is attracted to a woman. And a woman likes a handsome man, just like she doesn't like a man who is not handsome. In the Quran, Allah said to the believe, said, tell the believing one, in the Quran, Allah said to the Prophet. Tell the believing men to lower their gaze and protect their chastity. But when it came to the women, Allah said to His Prophet وسلم, tell the believing women to lower their gaze, to protect their chastity, and to cover their beautification, and to not stamp their, stomp their feet so that people know that, that which they are possessing of, of jewelry and the like of that. So Allah mentioned several things which the women have to be cautious of. So the Sheikh mentioned, so it is known that a woman, she's attracted to a man just like a man is attracted to a woman. So this shows you the authenticity of the hadith. ما حكم الصلاة أو ما حكم ما يسمى بصلاة الحاكم؟ 
Individuals asking about the salat al or the prayer of needs and the shipments of Ibn Allah, there's no problem in performing this type of prayer. The person wants to seek uh, assistance from his Lord, because indeed an individual is always in need of the assistance from his Lord and the success from his Lord. And Allah making his affair apparent and clear and easy for him. And this is the meaning of the salat, which is called salat al istikhar you perform it surah and you supplicate, you make the supplication, uh, which is uh, seeking uh, the request or requesting from your Lord the good of the situation or the bad of the situation, you make that supplication after the tattoo. يدفع بالشفوف إليه لذلك حسن الاستعادة بصورتي المؤولتين إلى عز رب الناس ملك الناس إلى علم الشر والسواس سبحان الله سبحان الله العظيم ثم هذه الأخارة حبيبة سبحان الله بحمد سبحان الله العظيم إذا قالها الواحد مئة مرة غفرت الذنوب التي قبلها في ذلك اليوم إلا ما كان من الخبائر تجمع سبب الخاصة Individuals asking about doubts which approach an individual about the hereafter and the shaykh Mr. Habib Allah and this is from the shaytan the shaytan will approach you with every means. Shaitan will approach the individual with every means. And he tries to influence the individual to make that individual uh, disobey. So that's what the individual should do, is that they should immediately remember Allah and they should seek refuge in Allah. Surah Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Nas. That's why you say, may shepherd waswas in Allah. I seek refuge in Allah from the evil of the waswas, the whispers. So if an individual experiences it, he should 
glorify Allah, we should praise Allah. SubhanAllah wa bihamdihi, SubhanAllah al-Azim. And these statements, SubhanAllah wa bihamdihi, SubhanAllah al-Azim, if an individual says these 100 times, Allah would forgive all of the previous sins of the individual, as long as the individual has abstained from the major sins. لا يجب على الوقت أن يعالج المرض 
لا شك انه ظن المرض انه يعني من ذا ان انزل الله له دواء علم من علم فجاهد من جاهد يعني ان يوجد مرض في الوجود وليس له علاج قد لا يحتاج الناس للعلاج او ان عرفوه قد لا يعرفون المقدار الكافي للمريض قد يزيدون عليه فيستجبوا اسبابا عكسيه قد يقصرونها فلا يرجع فان لا يمكن ان يوجد شيء الا وله دواء هل هذا مفروض للناس ان يعالجوا انفسهم؟ لا ان توكلوا على الله فلا يمكن الذين يدخلون الجنه بغير حساب ولا عذاب في الحديث الصحيح هؤلاء هم الذين لا يتعاطون دواء ولا يطلبون من احد يدعو له يرقيا في وانما اعتمدوا على الله جل وعلا توكلوا عنه يدخلون الجنه بغير حساب وعذاب يدل على ان العلاج ليس واجبا على الناس لكنه جاهل الذي قال تداووا علاج الله ولا تداووا بحرام واخبر ان الله لم يحصر شفاء أمة محمد في أمر الخراب إذا وجد لها علاج في شيء مفرط فحصل أنه يوجد في الحلال ما هو أفضل منه وإنما حسب ما يسر الله في أهل الفهم أن يفهموا أنه عن نفسه أن يرضى And the doctors have mentioned that the child should receive uh, uh, an operation, but the operation has side effects. What should they do? The sick mentioned Habibullah Allah thought, of course, it should be said that it's not an incumbent, it's not a obligatory that a person seeks a cure for an illness. The Prophet mentioned that Allah does not send down a disease except that he sends down a cure. Whoever knows the cure knows it, and whoever doesn't, doesn't. Some people, they don't know the cure at all. And some people, they are guided to the cure, but they put too much. They insert or they, uh, they give too much of a dosage, so it causes uh, major side effects. Sheikh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala, it is not mandatory that people cure themselves of illnesses. A person can put their trust in Allah and abandon the, the cure. It's been mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet mentioned about the people that were into Jannah without any reckoning or any punishment. They are the people that do not seek a cure from others, nor do they seek that people recite Quran over them. But they put their trust, they put their cure complete, or their complete trust in Allah Azza So seeking a cure is not a purgatory. But it's permissible, as the Prophet said, seek a cure, and do not seek a cure unless it is haram. So the Prophet informed that if the cure is in something which is haram, then it is not permissible for the individual to indulge in that particular thing. And you should know that that cure is also in something halal. That cure is in something halal. So 
نعم هل إذا قرأ الشخص سورة الإخلاص ثلاث مرات معناه أنه قرأ القرآن كله؟ نعم. استكثر ثواب من الله وعلى به قوله جل وعلا لا حمد لك فأكثر خير إلى الإنسان على الإيمان Is just asking if the person reads Surah Al-Ikhlaq three times, is it in reward as if he has recited the Quran? And the Sheikh mentioned, yes, an individual should increase in the amount of reward that he can obtain. The merits of Allah and the bounties of Allah are endless. So there's no end to the bounties of Allah, so an individual should seek as much as possible. هو كلمة سلفي يعني معناها انه على ما كان عليه الصحابة والتابعون لهم بإحسان هل هذا حقيقة بالنسبة له؟ بما يحله وما يحرمه إلى آخره وإنما يقول أرجو أن يكون على مثل ما كان عليه مثل ما قال اقترحت اليهود على 71 فرقة اقترحت النصارى على 270 فرقه وتقترح هذه الامه على 73 فرقه كلها في النار الا واحده قالوا من قال من كان على مثل ما انا عليه واصحابه واذا قال انا سلفي فليحرص يسال ما هي اخلاق السلف فيما يحللونه ويحرمونه تعاملهم مع العدو والصديق مع القريب والبعيد هل يطبق هذا في حياته الدنيا؟ انه يسال ربه ان يكون قد يمتهم ويحصل الخير الذي قرا السؤال الذي يقول له المرء يحب القوم ولما يلحق يعني ما سوى سواهم قال عليه الصلاه والسلام من احق او ما فهو منا وفي لفظ انتشر بها Individuals asking, how does the person know that he is truly a salafi? And the Sheikh Habib Allah mentioned the term salafi is that the individual is claiming to be upon, or that the individual is upon that which the Prophet and his companions were upon, and those who follow them in good. So is this, is this a reality in the life of that individual? With regards to what he treats as halal, or with regards to what he treats as haram, an individual should say, I hope to be upon that which they were upon. The Prophet said that the Jews were divided into 71 sects, and the Christians were divided into 72 sects, and my ummah would be divided into 73 sects. All of them would be in the hellfire except one. When he was questioned about the state sects, he said, Those who are upon that which my that which I am upon and my companions. So an individual, if they say they are Salafi, then they should ask about the character of the Salaf. They should ask about that which they held to be halal and that which they held to be haram. They should ask about their dealings with their enemies and their dealings with their companions. 
They should ask how they treated those who were close and how they treated those who were far. And they should implement this. And the individual should ask Allah to be upon that which they were upon. So that this individual can gain the rewards of the men who came to the Prophet وسلم, and said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you say about an individual who loves the people or loves the person but he has not met him? The Prophet وسلم, said a person will be with those whom he loves on the day of judgment. So we ask Allah to encompass us with his generosity and his forgiveness. This is asking what's the first creation, or what's the first thing that Allah created? Was it the throne or was it the pen? And the Shaykh mentioned Hafiz Allah, the most correct opinion is the first thing that Allah created was the throne. As Allah mentioned, that his throne was above the water. So what's meant in the hadith that the first thing that Allah created was the pen? What's meant by that is the first, when Allah first created the pen, Allah told the pen to write. And when Allah first created the pen, not that Allah first created the pen. So when Allah first created the pen, Allah said, write. The pen said, what should I write? Allah said, write everything that will take place until the day of judgment. Then the Sheikh Habib he apologized. He said, uh, he didn't get the chance to rest today. Uh, one of his relatives passed away. And then after that, he asked him, so he apologized for not continuing with the question. And he also apologized for not bringing the book about the Shia. And he said next week he will bring the book, the book about the Shia and give it out for free behavior in the Quran. نختم مجلسنا هذا بأن نشكر الله جل وعلا بأسمائه وصفاته أن يرنا من الحسن ما ظهر منهم وخطر وأن يصلح أحوالنا ومعاننا وأن يعاملنا بحقه وأن لا يحملنا إلى جهدنا وقدراتنا وأن يعيش الإسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الخطة والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يعاقل بإنزال بحثه وسحقه على المجرمين المعتدين الظالمين من نصيرية ومن ينصرهم من رافضة وشيوعيين فنسأل الله على أن ينزل به الدولة عن نصيرية الشعب الدولة عن رافضية التي تمدها 
للرجال والعسال في ايران والعراق وحزب المجلس في لبنان ان يري هؤلاء جميعا عجائب كما نسأله جل وعلا ان يري يرينا في روسيا ومن يلف نفسها ويكتب سيرها ومن يخادع المسلمين من الدور الكافره ان يرينا فيهم جل وعلا لمنه ما يشعرهم بسوء عملهم وشدة الوضع في عليهم كما نسأل جل وعلا أن يحفظ على حال البلاد المملكة بلد التوحيد أن يحفظ عليها أمنها على دينها ودنياها وأن يحقق كذلك للمسلمين في كل مكان وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله عليه وسلم وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما